Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today, we'd like to welcome back Dr. Jackie Black. She was with us for Episode 5, Do I Need Professional Help? Dr. Jackie Black helps rekindle relationships with loving, amazing, but crazy busy small business owners so they are lovers again. Also for the last 30 years, Dr. Jackie has been actively supporting grieving partners and family members in the cancer community and the Alzheimer community, and was on the front line of the AIDS pandemic serving men who were ill and the partners, family members, and medical teams of those who died. Dr. Jackie also serves couples when one partner is living with life-threatening or chronic illness. As the founder of drjackieblack.com, she currently helps clients in eight time zones, has delivered her monthly relationship tip sheet to men and women in 38 countries, and has been featured on hundreds of radio shows and podcasts around the world. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Jackie. We're so happy to speak with you again today. Hi, Dr. Jackie, and welcome back. We're so excited to have you back in our little virtual session. Thank you so much. It's so great to be back with you. Good. Our podcast is growing, and the episode you were in before continues to have listeners downloading and listening along. So we're really excited to say that today we're actually going to focus on a subject that's near and dear to me because I suffer from it, and that's guilt as it pertains to grief, specifically today. And I know after my mom died, of course, I had some guilt feelings because though I had followed all of her wishes to the letter, I still felt there was more I could have done. When my husband was ill, I kept thinking and rethinking. He was a veteran. Did I do enough? Did I, did I give him the honors he needed during his funeral? So I think that guilt is probably a normal part of the grief process. Is that right? That is absolutely right. Every single human being and recorded throughout recorded history experiences guilt. If we can just take a step back for a minute and do an overview. Sure. There are five normal, natural feeling states of grieving. Mm -hmm. And they are anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, and guilt. Right. Anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, and guilt. And each of those feelings has a job to do. They're functional. They're productive. And people forget about that. So anger's job, just to go over them very quickly, anger's job is to get us moving, to get us moving. Because when we're depressed, we don't have a lot of energy and we can really be sedentary. Sometimes, right, right just pull the covers over our heads. Exactly. And so anger has another job too, but, but it's motion. And anxiety is motion, right? We have run what my grandmother used to call spilkas, you know, we just can't. <laughs> so there's so much to do and, and nothing to do. And we just can't feel comfortable in our own body. Uh, anxiety, sadness, sadness is our longing, our missing, 
a lot of times not wanting to believe that right. the people that we love are gone. And there's guilt. So let's talk about guilt and shame for a minute. Okay. If guilt had, well, let, let's talk about shame. If shame had words, shame would say, ugh, what's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me. I, I wish I had been better. I wish I had done more. Right. And shame is like rust to the soul. Guilt is very, very normal. And it's like condensation and evaporation. How so? So if guilt had words, guilt would say, hmm, I wish I'd done or said X, or I wish I hadn't done or said Y. And our recognition that we wish we'd done or said or not done or said something different is directly related to having more information, having more data. In the presence of new knowing, oh. in the present, right? In the presence of new knowledge, we can look back and recognize that we wish that we had done or hadn't done, said or hadn't said something or something different. That's guilt. Yeah. And as we recognize guilt and as we name it and we speak to it, we speak to the behaviors that we wish we'd done or, and the, the words we wish we'd said or not said, not done. The guilt dissipates. It is like evaporation and condensation. When it doesn't, we really want to take a deeper dive and say, what else might be going on here? Do I really feel shame? Is there some way that I'm not sure I was my best? or I did my best, that there was something wrong with what I did or didn't do. So unresolved guilt leads to shame? Is that? No, no they're very different. Very they are their different. own experiences. Okay. Guilt is guilt and shame is shame. They don't, okay. yeah, they don't, they don't lead to each other okay. and they're not assuaged by each other. If okay. we resolve our shame, it doesn't speak to our guilt. Okay. All right. I feel like the guilt and anxiety kind of go hand in hand together too. And how do you mean that, Stephanie? Well, I just, I guess the, or maybe it's the anxiety and shame. I don't know. That's just, as you were talking about it, I just feel like, okay, I would, I'll have anxiety because I did say something or didn't say something. Or maybe it's the shame because I did say something I shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. But then I'll, my anxiety will get going on that. <laughs> Yes, you're very wise and very astute. Shame and anxiety are linked. Yeah. And we do feel a lot of anxiety when we recognize the shame because the shame is what was wrong with me? Why didn't I do better? I wish I had been better, different or more. Right. Instead of guilt, which speaks to our behavior, what we did, what we said. Guilt is, a shame is really about our being. That's why it's like rust. Mm -hmm. hmm. Wow. I've never, never put that connotation on those two things. I, I almost sometimes would think guilt and shame are the same, but now I can see that they're not. Yeah. Is guilt then similar to regret? Yes. Okay. Yes. Guilt and regret are brothers. Okay. Or sisters. 
<laughs> you have to be careful today, right? Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's based on data. So it's based on behavior and okay. uh, that which resides outside of us, what we can do and what we say okay. or what we don't do or what we don't say. So yes, it is an outside experience of ourselves. Okay. So, Shame is an internal experience that we're okay. not good enough, that there's that, something wrong with us. That, that makes the difference. For example, if I had guilt that for my husband, say I had not, paid enough respect to his military side, to his veteran status, and done things to honor him at his funeral, yet the honor guard that was there from his Vietnam Veterans Organization, if they came to me and said, wow, Kathy, you did an incredible job, and Tom would be so honored, that data could help my guilt dissipate. Yes. So it's a, it's a very different question. I'm thinking too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is no. Okay. That outside data, like you did, you did this so well, is like a BV off a battleship. Okay. If you don't own that for yourself, it doesn't matter how many people say... Okay great things about you. It all sources inside us. Okay. So the, the confidence, the knowing, the trust that you did everything that you could do or everything that you believed was right. what you should do for him. You have to own that. It sources in you and you have to own it because anytime anybody says anything to you and you don't own it, it's going to go right on by. It won't okay. stick. Yeah. Someone okay. tells you that you're great at such and such, but you don't feel it. It's, yeah. Exactly okay. right. I get yep. that. Like a BB yeah. off a battleship. Yeah. It hmm. makes so much sense when you put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I think I got it. <laughs> Reg regret is an experience of recognition that we wish something had been different. Right. That's why it's it's a close relative to to guilt. Okay. And the the way that you can I don't want to say dissipate, but that you can soothe. Okay. Regret is to speak directly to it. I realize now, or someone told me, and then it made so much sense to me. I get it now. Right, that it too has a, a right. additional knowing related to it that you didn't know when you did your best. Right. Because look, here's the thing: we do our best, and even when we intentionally do our best, there can always be some piece of information or experience from someone else that comes into our awareness that we didn't have that makes sense. We go, "Oh, I wish I'd known that," because I get it. Right. Yeah. Right. And That's. That yeah, that made me instantly think of the serenity prayer. And you have to have that wisdom to know the difference. Some things you may have been able to do, and others may have just been out of your control that you weren't able to do. So you have to kind of take all that information in to uh, to resolve that. I remember a month or so before my husband, my late husband, Mark, died. And I was really frustrated. 
with him, really frustrated. And I yelled a little for a moment. And I, I said, I, I just, I'll be, I'll be back because I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do or say or how I wanted to be. And, you know, I spent so much time thinking about ways that I could show up and things I could do and say that would, that would send the unmistakable message about how much he was loved and treasured and valued and would be missed. And that, that, that moment was not moment, literally ladies moment. Right. And so. It haunted me for years, years. I want to say years. I tra- my mouth tried to say months, but it was a long time. It was a really long time. It would just come into my consciousness and I'd feel so terrible. Mm. And one day I said to myself, wait a minute. Am I entitled to make a mistake, to have a misstep? To have a legitimate, it was legitimate, to have a legitimate feeling and to not be my best self. And the second I asked the question about being or not being my best self, I understood that, that, and then my, my guilt sort of evaporated. I could yeah. feel it go because I knew that my intention was to be my best self and I didn't get that done a hundred percent. So you and gave yourself I'm, permission. Right, because I'm not perfect and he wasn't perfect. He knew I wasn't perfect and there was no expectation. He never had an expectation that I was perfect, nor did I expect that he was perfect. Right. So I could exactly right, give myself permission to have been imperfect that day. Right. Well, wow. so now that we've kind of clarified to everyone what guilt really is and how it can impact us, can you give us any tips maybe for dealing with it, for helping it just kind of go away? I think that two things, uh, when we are intentional and when we recognize that we're not perfect, those are the two keys. My grandmother died when she was 98 Mm. and she was in Chicago and I was in California. And I left, I left, I jumped on a plane on Thursday night, every Thursday night and flew to Chicago till Sunday night, early Monday morning for almost 10 years. Mm. And as she was, you know, 96, 97 weeks, because nobody knew how long she would live. I talked to her every couple of days. And then I said to myself, well, I should probably talk to her more. So I stepped it up and then I was talking to her just touching base with her every day. And then I thought, well, maybe I should talk to her twice a day. Mm. It was crazy. And what I was doing and what I understood I was doing was hedging guilt. Right. And I actually said that to me. So I'm doing all the things intentionally that I want to do so that I can look back at how I behaved and not feel guilty. Yep. And one day I said to myself, this is insane. Short of moving in with her and being present every single day, mm-hmm. there is no hedging guilt because here's the thing. Guilt says, I care. I'm involved and I'm invested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be something that I'm going to look back at and say, oh, I wish I had done or said or hadn't done or said X, which is the definition of guilt. 
because we're involved and invested. We're always going to look back and there will always be those things because we care about people. That's what guilt is related to. It's related to our caring, our investment and our involvement. Right. I can definitely relate to that because I remember, well, near the end, my husband was in a, it was like a nursing home facility, but it was a veterans facility. And it was probably 40 miles away from my home. So I, at first I visited him every day. This was a horrific change for him. He was so used to being home and loved being at home. I wanted to allow him time to settle in. And then I said to him one day, I can't come down every day. This is just, I'm not sleeping. I'm putting all these miles on the car. It's getting expensive with gas. I'm leaving the dogs alone. I just can't do it every day. I felt so guilty that I changed my pattern and I continued to go every day. And even though I did that, I felt guilty because I would go in about nine o'clock in the morning and about one thirty or two, I was ready to go home. So no matter what I did, I still felt guilty. That's that investment and that involvement. Right. Yeah. And you're questioning what you were doing or not doing, saying or not saying. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's a jail of our own making. Yeah. But as long as we understand that that's what we're doing, we're putting ourselves in our own prison, so to speak. Right. We have to make decisions as mindfully and intentionally as possible and then accept the decisions that we made. Right. That's the hard part, I think, is accepting them. I'm so good at talking myself out of things. I can do that very easily. (laughs) (laughs) So I just came to the realization of something. I've always felt guilty because I didn't, when my grandmother um, was in the midst of dying, I didn't, I didn't understand what I do now about people dying. Um, Working in hospice has completely changed my thoughts. And I know now that when people can't talk back, but they can still hear you. And I didn't know that then. And I've always felt guilty for not talking to her more. I think I was more concerned about my mom and how she was doing. (laughs) And (laughs) I didn't talk. So I always feel guilty about that. But now I'm like, you know what? I, she's gone, but I talk to her. (laughs) Like I'll have a thought in my head that'll pop and I'll go, Oh, grandma, I know that was you. And I literally will sit and I talk to her. So, but I guess I never, I never owned that and said, it's okay. I I should get over that guilt because I talk to her now, but I just realized that. (laughs) So I should forgive myself. (laughs) I was just going to say that you, that can you forgive yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read what you didn't know. Right. And you did your best with what you knew. Right. And in the presence of new knowing, you don't want to beat yourself up. Right. Because you don't deserve that. Yeah. That's why I love this podcast because as Stephanie and I offer help and support to our listeners and those that are grieving, we're healing too. Yep. We're healing right along we're, with everybody. We're getting it and learning it the same. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I just love it. So if it's after a death and you're you're filled with these guilt feelings, the the trick is to recognize it for what it is. How do we get our minds to that mindset, that method? Um, How do we recognize something we're doing and stop and think, oh, maybe that could be guilt. I need to forgive myself. Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. I think that in the beginning for a while, it's all a blur. 
Right. And we, we should really embrace all of the feelings okay. that we're having, anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, and guilt, and not try to sort them and not try to heal them or soothe them, to just let them be present and wash over us. Okay. And then slowly, as we begin to come out of it, out of the fog, uh, and we can identify more internal experiences or external relationships or behaviors, then remind ourselves we have yeah. to forgive ourselves. We have like to forgive that. ourselves. I like that. Just let the emotions wash over you. Um, sob if that's what you need to do. Curl up in a ball. Curl up in a ball. over your head. Right. Just kind of ride it out. No matter how you feel, just it. feel it. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you try to stop it or truncate it, it'll leak out somewhere else right. and it'll probably be inappropriate. Right. Like so anger. if we just, on, not just, but if we honor it and we allow ourselves to feel the normal, natural feelings that come with a loss, okay. uh, then we're, we don't, we're not risking being inappropriate somewhere in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes perfect sense. And here's kind of a, an odd question because sometimes I think of those. If you recognize something as guilt and you think, oh, I wish I'd done this and I feel horrible because I didn't, are there any creative ways that you can handle that to kind of help you let it go? Like if you write about it, for example, or if you if you go to a bereavement group, a support group. Are those things valuable in helping you get through some of that as opposed to just trying to do it by yourself? I think bereavement groups are an essential. Bereavement groups to grievers are as essential as breathing air. And I know a lot of people don't want to grieve in public. They don't want to cry in front of people and they don't want to go and I can do it myself. I think that support groups in general, support groups for people who are ill, support groups for people who are grieving uh, are, are vital. And I think that they're beneficial beyond what we can even imagine. And how do you start that conversation? With another person? Yeah. I mean, if you go to a group and they say, introduce yourself and why are you here? Or who did you lose? How do you say, I feel so guilty? Do you just blurt it out or do you wait? Well, after you've listened to this podcast, you can say, I know that guilt is one of the five normal natural feelings. Right. And I know it's natural and I feel really guilty and I'm having more trouble with the guilt than I am with the sadness or the anger. Okay. All right. So just say it. Yeah, just say it. And here's the thing. You will, you will see heads nodding (laughs) all around the room because you will have spoken a truth that matches for everybody. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. And if you have a loved one who is grieving, And you think that part of their grief, or they may be having some thoughts of guilt, maybe you heard them say, oh, I I know I shouldn't have let the doctor do that, or I know I shouldn't have put them on the trial. How can you help your loved one? What can you say to them? Uh, I always believe that when we share from our own experience, it's more powerful. Mm -hmm. So I might say, I... Remember when Mark was on a trial and I 
didn't say, or I did say, or I didn't do, mm-hmm. you know, and it, if it comes from my own experience, I think that the, the advice that we get from people who want to tell us about us mm-hmm. is easily, uh, forgettable. Yeah. And that we can just wave it, wave it on by. But when people are sharing from their own experience, I think that it's very powerful and it matters to people who are sharing. It's a risk to share from our own experience. Sure it is. Sure. And if you don't have a personal experience and you're a kind, loving person and you want to help, you might say, I think that I'm thinking about it. And I think if I was in the same position, Maybe I might. Oh, might, yeah. Maybe I might say this. I wonder if it would help me if I did this or did that. And then as you posit out loud about yourself, mm-hmm. the other person will take that in immediately and make it their own. And that's what we do. That's why groups are so valuable. Right. No matter what somebody else is saying, we hear that and then we make it about us and then we use it on our own behalf. Right, right, right. That's, that's good. That's mm-hmm. powerful, actually. That's, that's great. I, I always like to offer something for the people that are seeing someone suffer and ways that they might encourage or support them because nobody knows what to say anymore. And that's what you say. Yeah. That's what you say. I have no idea what to say to you right now. Yeah. I, I wish I could say something that would make you feel better. Right. I have no clue what to say. Right. People really appreciate that kind of honesty. Okay. Saying something is better than saying nothing. If it's, I don't really have any idea what to say. If yeah. It's, if people, tr- I mean, there are really, as you know, Stephanie's very, really stupid things right. that people say to grievers. Yeah. Yes. yes. You probably see that in the hospice all day long. And Kathy, you probably experienced yeah. that. I, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have. And, you know, and I hope, I just hope and pray that I've not said anything like that. Right. But um, I, somehow I think I've escaped. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go on that thought, though. Um, okay. I had one more thing I was going to bring up, but of course, it's kind of flown out of my head now. So I wanted to, well, you think, Mom, um, yep. the, quickly about um, shame. You said it's the rust in us. How do you try to, is it the same as guilt? How do you try to kind of chip away at that rust and get get rid of the shame? Oh, it's a great question. So remember that if shame had words, shame would say, oh, there must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I'm so stupid. I'm so awful. I'm so, right? Right. So it's like rust to the soul. Right. And the way that you erase it, right? That you really transform it is you say to yourself, I am good and I am enough. I'm imperfect. I did my best. I am good and I am enough. What I did, I wish I hadn't done what I did. I wish I hadn't said what I said. Right. So when you change it from your being to your doing, from the I am to the I did, I said, I didn't do, I didn't say, it shifts the whole thing. Right, right. Mm. I am good and I am enough. Yeah, some affirmations Yeah, to help you get that mindset. What I was going to say before, thank you, Stephanie, because that prompted <laughs> it. 
Um, <laughs> the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> if if you seem trapped in that guilt and or shame and you just cannot get past it, it's just all consuming for you. What should someone do? So I'm going to sound like a hard, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> it's a choice. And if you're stuck, you're stuck because you're choosing to be stuck. Mm-hmm. And so you want to, you want to own that. I'm really stuck and I want to be stuck. What, what is the gift to me? What is the benefit of being stuck? What is the benefit of holding on to this thing that I believe or that I want to believe or I need to believe? How is that serving me? The other question is, what will I lose if I give it up? If I think a different thought, what will I lose? So some people want to hold their grief. I don't know if they want to so much as that they, yes, that they They choose choose to to. because it serves them in some way. And what we want to do is ask ourselves the question. We want to recognize and acknowledge that we're served in some way. It's not a mistake. We're not, there's no such thing as stuck. Stuck is the absence of choosing. So when we know that, then we can say, what is the gift in my choosing? What do I, what am I getting? What's the benefit? In psychology, we would say, what is the secondary gain? Right. What what is the thing that I'm getting? And, uh, and, and then the next bigger question, and it is a bigger question is, what is the loss? What is the loss if I move or I shift out of believing this or feeling this or having this? Right. And I, you know, I, I have to wonder for some people, it might just be fear of the unknown because if they let the guilt go or if they do what they need to, to move beyond it, then they come to uncharted territory. They come to recreating their life, reinventing themselves. And those are all scary prospects, mm-hmm. especially if it's in the, the case of a spouse and you've been part of a couple for years and years and years, and you've even gone to the grocery store together all the time, even something so routine as that can be daunting if you have to do it differently. So that, you know, that might be one reason that some people just don't do anything because they are afraid to move on. I wonder if some people think they need to stay in, in that grief because they think maybe then they won't, they'll forget about their loved one that passed? Do they? Yes. Not only do they think they'll forget, it's the only way they know how to stay connected. Right. So if they had another way that they could feel connected, then most people will when they, and there are other ways to feel connected. That's, those are the tasks of grieving that we alluded to a little bit in our last Mm -hmm. conversation. And the tasks of grieving help people to disconnect. See, it's like a plug in a power socket. And we're still we're still sending energy through the power socket or through the plug, but the socket doesn't have any power in it. And that's the pain, the pain of disconnection. And it isn't that they actually disconnected, it's that they're no longer here. So we're still attached, connected. We still have our power source. So when we, when we unplug from the power source, then we have to figure out what else to do with this. And we create a special place inside, which is the holder of our experience, our memories, all of the years. So we don't, when we move on, and I, you know, I hate it when people say that because we really don't. We build a life in the presence of the pain. 
right? We build a new, we build a life in the presence of the whole in our heart. Mm -hmm. I'm writing that down. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) My understanding, those five feelings, even though like today, even though I recognize that I shouldn't feel guilt over not talking to my grandmother as she was dying, I do now. I'm still going to, it's still going to pop up and I'm going to feel that guilt. And then, but this time now that I know this piece that I can use, I can tell myself, no, it's okay. You talk to her now. I've forgiven myself. And is that kind of the same? Because I think all that, the anger and depression might again creep up as well later, even though you think you've kind of moved past it. So if you, if you forgive yourself, your guilt will not pop up. You will have a memory. Okay. And, and, but the memory won't have the feeling piece attached to it, the guilt, if you really forgive yourself. So when you think about it, you can think about that you didn't do it. Now you know, and that you're supporting other people to know what you know. It had, it led you to really be able to empower other people to know and have experiences you wish you had. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. What was the second part of your question? Because it was really powerful and I didn't track it. I was talking about the depression and everything that that they could pop up again later, even though I think I've gotten past it. Right, right. Depression and anger. Popping up is such an interesting way to talk about that. So <clears throat> the five feeling states, um, anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, and guilt, they come in waves and pangs. And they come at different times and at different intensities, sometimes one at a time in different combinations, sometimes at the same time. And so they will emerge, pop up for a parent, sometimes no reason, but it's not no reason. The reason is that your grandmother died, your father died, your husband died, my mm-hmm. husband died. It's not for no reason. Some We had an experience. Did it happen in this moment? No. Did it happen in this year? No. But if we recognize that we'll have that missing place holder and, and we'll have a hole or a place in our hearts for the people that we love, loved, then we don't expect to never feel normal, natural feelings. And so when we feel angry or depressed, it's funny, Mark's gone 16 years this year. And um, his birthday was January 1st. And around the middle of December, I started feeling sort of, and I noticed I was sort of barking at people and I had this tenseness in my throat and, my, and I thought, what is going on with you? Because I have a, a wonderful life. I do great work. I have people in my, you know, it's like, well, what is your problem? And then it hit me that his birthday was coming and that's what I was reacting to. So before I actually made it conscious, I was operating from the unconscious right. loss. Yeah. It was unconscious that his birthday yeah, was coming. Our brains are wonderful yeah. things. So, right? So we don't want to say that the depression or anger pops up for no reason. We want to say it pops up and then we want to be emotionally intelligent and we want to say, huh? I'm noticing that I'm feeling really pissed off at everybody around. What's going on with me? So that we own and honor it and we don't say, well, why am I this way for no reason? Or, oh, here it is again. Well, 
because it's a normal feeling and it's inside. And we're going to be reacting to the thing that is lost, the person, the experience Mm -hmm. forever. Why wouldn't Mm -hmm. we? Right. Well, I hate to say it, Dr. Jackie, but the day is moving on and I think we're about out of time. (laughs) Can you give us a quick wrap up about today's topic? And uh, as well, maybe tell our listeners what they will find if they come to your website, what you can offer them and whatever you'd like to share with our listeners. Sure. Thank you, Kathy. So as a recap, there are five normal, natural feeling states of grieving, anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, and guilt, normal and natural. And if you're feeling any one of them or all of them, just go inside quietly and ask yourself about them. It's called self-reflection, self-reflection. Don't meditate. Just ask yourself the question, what is going on for me? What do I need? What would be helpful now? So be very kind and very gentle with yourself always. My website is Dr. Jackie Black, D-R-J-A-C-K-I-E-B-L-A-C-K.com. And working with, with grief and loss and life-threatening and chronic illness has always been a passion of mine and my something that touches me deeply. Uh, when you come to my website, you won't see too much about it. It is by referral only. So consider yourself a personal mm-hmm. referral. And if there's anything that I can do to support you in your grieving process, you can contact me, email me at drjackie at drjackieblack.com. Um, my work now is with couples, couples with life-threatening or chronic illness, um, couples who have lost connection with each other. And, you know, our relationships, as you both know, are the centerpieces of our lives, even if we're philanthropists or authors or business owners, mm-hmm. leaders, relationships with our partners is very, very important. And if those aren't running well and working well, then it's like the whole rest of whatever we do is a little right. off kilter. Right. And we agree completely. Yep. As, as always, Dr. Jackie's contact information will be in the show notes on your favorite app. They will also be on our website, ways you can get in touch with her. And as always, listeners, thanks so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.